I'm Marcus Richardson. And I'm Nathan Hicken. And we have just cracked the case on the hard-boiled exhibit merely moments ago. Nathan, congratulations. You did wonderfully. Your monologues were incredible. You caught the vibe. You understood the assignment. So much fun. <laughs> that was a blast. Oh, my goodness. Oh, such a such a twisted tale of intrigue. Oh, I love, I love the fact that uh, Bianca was, was in the background the whole time. Just hinted at, strings were there. It was all, all placed for me. Her photo was in my pocket. That was one of the first things I saw in this whole thing. I knew that would be important. I, I'm sad I forgot about it, but I, ah, brilliant, brilliant. And you named your pet after her. Yes, yes. The fact that she was Miss Bunny. Oh, of course I would have a bunny to try to get over her, to try to move on past. You named oh, a bunny bunny. not be a coincidence. <laughs> what kind of person names a bunny bunny? <sighs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was so much fun to see you tease it out. It was difficult to make uh, a mystery with a lot of different settings. But it yeah. also made for a really fun challenge of like, okay, the place he goes next will fundamentally change this story. This mystery, I changed stuff in between episodes. Claire wasn't going to die until you talked to her early on. Wait, what? <laughs> I like, really didn't kill Claire. <laughs> but, and, and I'm not saying it's your fault. I'm saying that like, I realized that it made sense because I was like, all yeah. right, the two women are going to escape at the train station. And then I was like, but one of them is the mastermind. And then I realized, what if there's a confrontation? And I realized, yeah. oh my gosh, that's exactly what happens. So after the after the second episode, she was dead. Anytime oh you went my back, goodness. she would have Oh been my dead. goodness. Oh, I love that that's dynamic and that raises stakes and that like raises more questions. That was an insane moment for me. The amount of bodies that piled up in this incredible <laughs> it was noir it, it had to be a little bit bloodier than previous cases yeah oh my <laughs> gosh I, I love the feeling of just slowly threading the details all together into this bigger tapestry of what the heck was going on that was mm -hmm. so satisfying i mean it was fun to watch because you did it in a very entertaining way but man yeah so there there was a, a lot of thought in between sessions um trying to to figure out how to to make it most directed and satisfying but i really didn't actually have to do much work in making it satisfying because you know you're you're great at what you do um but yeah there, there are some some pieces that were were kind of you know strewn by the wayside yeah what what what, what was passed over so aurelius whitlock within the scenario was investigating a case that you could have looked at. In fact, Rick Pulpwood, prior to you taking his spot, was looking at the same case. Oh. It was something to do with what he was holding when you first went in. The egg. So both Rick and Aurelius Whitlock were trying to figure out <laughs> the rotten egg case. Yes. And do you remember what he realized as you were talking to Grassman? <sighs> Wait, no, remind me. He said, aftershave. Aftershave. Uh, uh, the miracle, Dr. Silk's miracle aftershave. I wondered if that ad was significant or not. Okay. <laughs> Everything's significant in my newspaper. Uh. So the rotten eggs, 
here's the thing. I was totally okay. None of this coming up. This was more just an Easter egg, if you will. <laughs> oh, and by the way, the reason there were all those eggs, purely for the the fun of me trying to see how many eggs I could fit into <laughs> a case that was fundamentally unrelated to eggs. Uh, it. <laughs> it it all started with hard boiled. But anyway, so eggs were being used in this product after shave. They were buying o- overdue eggs, super cheap. It's really not that interesting of okay. a case, but it's the reason that there was uh, more than one character that had rashes on their faces. Oh my gosh, that's right. You mentioned when I, well, uh, Devin, I remember he had a rash on his face and a black eye. Ow. The black eye was from the fight. Yeah. The rash was from uh, his aftershave. Oh. Same thing with, I believe it was the bartender I also said had uh, a skin rash around yes. his mouth. So, so that, that was just kind of a... You know, like in Consulting Detective, the the board game, there are like kind of tangential things that are kind of just there to take you off the, <laughs> yeah, uh, kind of just lead you off the path. So that was one of those things where like if you decided that you wanted to call Benedict Farms, I would probably have dropped some details, but it was fundamentally unconnected from everything <laughs> else. So kind of reasonable that you didn't go that route. Dang. Do you have any questions that still pop in mind? I'm looking at my list of questions. I mean, I have questions about the grass man and <laughs> how it really got from newspaper runner to uh, you know, curator. But I assume we'll 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 touch on those later. Um okay. Yeah, I think in that final stretch you you really put together the pieces because like a lot of it I was like, oh man, it's hard to explain like what happened that only the murderer knows like what did she say in that car but like you kind of intuited pretty close to what i had imagined happened so that was really cool to see that like you kind of logicked your way into a feasible story yeah i mean on that note uh did you have anything specific that she said to get sam to pull over into the parking garage or Uh, kind of a a, a, the top of the back seat kind of thing or (laughs) Uh, essentially yeah kind of a a a sensual tease uh okay another reason that she was the plus one to nick before she realized that she could sorry plus one to sam before she realized that she could find where it was and call off the wedding was Mm. because she wasn't invited to the wedding she wanted to be a plus one so she could make it there be there so sam was clean pretty pretty clean in all of this his only things were he was a procrastinator so he was doing the things that he needed to do for the wedding last minute. Um, <laughs> he also couldn't keep a secret. It was a little loose-lipped. Yep. But besides that, uh, he was in the clear. I I definitely judged Sam wrong multiple times during this, but uh, that's but okay. That's, I mean, that's totally totally fair. You know, <laughs> like often the dead man is tangled tangled up in something. Man. So yeah. Did you have any favorite? Uh, characters or moments from it oh okay couple couple stick out a i loved uh the monologue off in my office with <laughs> with detective hard scrabble aka jared <laughs> that was just so delightful so unexpected um, i just enjoyed being barton because i could like <laughs> just be like i hey i'm still here but i'm just enjoying the show <laughs> just happy to be here i'm just happy I, to be here 
I also love the the vibes of Luca. Um, I have listened to the, the the episode where he appears and the the Godfather music esque <laughs> vibes that was in there. Perfect, love that. Found some Italian stock music, but it was too fast, so I time shifted it to make it slower. That's brilliant. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say, by the way, the idea to have a kind of a vaudeville slash cabaret, you know, jazz piece. The idea to have a piece of music preceded the idea to include it as important information. I was more just excited to have a song in it, and then I was like, oh, I can use this. Uh, yes i i love because that was like that's something i found in like the first or second episode right that i listened to and i I think it was the first episode just delightful no that's like i guess second but super fun i love that and then having that come back into play in the ultimate episode where there is a secret code in there the whole time that i you know didn't really did not strike anything but the cloud nine and then one for oh my gosh i love that love that love seeing clues that were there the whole time but you don't know how to use them until later that yeah, is yeah so i gotta satisfying. say that's that is the most satisfying to write as well is like say something i'm like this is foreshadowing but he doesn't know yet it's just a random thing i'm saying the bunny is named bunny it's silly yes ah I really like finding a second body. I think that escalates tension so well. And it's also like, oh my gosh, why do they have to die? How does this connect to the first murder? And if I don't, if, if I'm not careful, there's going to be a th- another body because they've killed twice. And you know, and you know what? There was. <laughs> there was a third body. It's what I like to call the psych episode classic. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The Part 30 way minute through in. dead body. <laughs> yeah, 30 minutes in. Yeah, I mean, I actually learned that from you. I feel like early on, if you listen to the early cases I wrote, they were not very dynamic. They were kind of like a static situation. They were like a painting on a wall and you could examine it and you could go different places, but like things weren't fundamentally changing. But yours had more of that. I climbed a rock wall and I <laughs> fell down and I broke my ankle or something. Um, so I, I've really enjoyed kind of upping our storytelling in the yeah. mysteries. Not just the mystery for the sake of the puzzle, but how is the story unfolding with the other person as a character in it? And I really liked that. I, f- I felt like I mattered in this world. Like my decisions mattered. Like how, like you said, like not only like who I was talking to and when. So Claire dying was a direct result of me talking to her when I did. But also, you know, at the end with my monologues, like that came into play with capturing the person, which also I love, I love the climax at a train station, and then she got shot in front of me. What? <laughs> That's another theme that I guess technically might not have happened, but there was an opportunity for Nick to catch a wind of what you were doing, and thus he he could follow you there. So uh, I, I I did sort of shoehorn that in, but you know it's how it worked out. I like that, man. Oh, you mentioned you're gonna. Speaking of decisions that I made, you said you were going to talk about the playtest and how yes. that was All right. different. If your story was, you know, a detective story, his was a crime thriller because <laughs> Jared Langford, moments before we recorded that first episode, was helping me play test through this thing 
didn't even finish it because we had to start recording with you. Um, but man, first thing he does when he goes to the car yard is he buys the Rolls Royce <laughs> with the body still in the trunk. Doesn't tell Frank, drives off the lot in oh his new gosh. Rolls Royce. Extremely implicating. He goes to the hotel, meets Asher, tells Asher, yeah, I'm like a long lost cousin, like missed the wedding. And there's like, hey, I need your help identifying something out here. Follow me into the parking garage. He, <laughs> Asher cocks his gun because this dude is showing him the dead body of his brother's best friend. So it was like this intense thing. And then in the office of Luca Melanzano, there was uh, a Mexican standoff between the two sons and the dad. They were all standing there yelling at each other, misunderstanding each other because he had just planted a bunch of misinformation, <laughs> mostly just like improving. So I, I, I do have to say that like in the first episode, I was worried. I was like, oh, is this not as interesting as like that story? And I got over it quickly because, you know, every story is going to be a little different. Yeah. And yours turned out to be, I would say, even more satisfying when it came to to the conclusion. That is wild. <laughs> I think it would st- stresses me out too much to even think about lying to a mafia boss. <laughs> <laughs> as it should, as it should. Uh, oh, a, l- a little bit of credit where credit is due. Besides the fact that my beautiful, talented wife Beth, who is sitting right besides me eating a Mexican popsicle uh, is I lost my train of thought besides the fact that she sang sang the songs uh, and did that uh, intro with me. She also was fundamental in the ideation of kind of the core of this case, which is Mm. best man lets an important detail slip from his best man speech to the wrong person. And it's the location of a necklace. So that was uh, that was thanks to her. Uh, you can thank Jared. Uh, I brainstormed with him this case as well, and you can thank him for the uh, villain being an old fling of your character. Yes, that was that was not there. And he said, "I mean, it's noir. It's got to be like a femme fatale that's like been, you know. There's got to be a history there." I'm like, "Oh my gosh, you're so right. There does. There has to be." And then he was like, "What if?" What if he has a bunny because the person he dated was bunny? And I was like, incredible. Absolutely. And he's like, yeah, because like a hard-boiled cop would have like a cute little bunny. I'm like, incredible. So I love it. I love it. That that was so perfect. Just, again, enough in the background, but enough always there, always present. Ah, Bianca. <laughs> <laughs> it It was also very fun playing with the idea of a villain that you never see yeah. because that's pretty different for us this is the first time that there's the yeah. bad guy is someone that you haven't talked to at all that you don't talk to until the climax when you know exactly everything. which i think also kind of fits more into the what i was going for in this case which was trying to lean more into the letting your observations lead you places mm-hmm uh, more like a procedural than a, you know, locked yeah. doors murder mystery. So, and yeah, I, I felt like I truly was investigating this case. Like I could go anywhere I wanted to if I if I thought it had vital information. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I definitely did have to come up with some su- stuff on the spot. 
you might have been able to tell. I don't know, but it's... I honestly cannot. <laughs> I, I enjoy this stuff. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoy improv improvising characters. I don't know. It's, it's just fun to, to riff with you. You have a really good... Uh, <laughs> I think we have a good rapport when it comes to little <laughs> yeah. monologues, or, or I mean uh, dialogue. It's great. Did you have a favorite favorite moment or something you were most excited for me to uh, discover? The sound of you listening to Beth singing the egg on my face was delightful. I actually cut most of it, but it was like a good five minutes of just... <laughs> Which was incredible. Um, so that was pretty great. Of course, I loved watching you and Jared verbally spar. I really loved the conclusion, though. I loved listening to you with a sense of urgency, putting together the final pieces uh, and me egging you on, so to yes. speak. <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, pun very intended. Every pun intended. <laughs> All the puns. Uh, uh, but yeah, I man, I I really do think that that you you got it all. Like every everything that was important in the paper, you now know. The flooding, the the theft threat, uh, Lolo's follies, the eggs that you have to shave. Man. The curly shampoo in the hotel room. Yep. The girl in your picture had curly hair from the beginning. Oh my gosh. I love I also I, I love the newspaper and like you said, how everything came into play. It it feels very much like using what what's the phrase? Using every part of the buffalo. Like there's <laughs> Yeah. I yeah. Used everything and the bone because I don't know. I I think it's really fun when there's something where it's like, oh my gosh, every single thing matters. So, which, which in a way makes it so you know everything is important, which kind of defeats the purpose of some things. I've realized also, just a side note, it's hard for me to say no to cool ideas that you have. Like, <laughs> oh, the pipe burst from the gun shooting it. And I'm like, dang it. That'd be nice. <laughs> That's not what I was imagining. And that is totally okay. I, yeah, I, but on that with the newspaper, I liked how a lot of it, there, there was nothing like, oh my gosh, dead body right here. Go here first. It was like, oh, the car had circled. Oh, there's, there's flooding over here. That's kind of weird. Um, but it didn't, it wasn't until later that like, oh, oh my gosh, his pants, his pants. Of course. How could I forget <laughs> the pants? <laughs> Incredible. <sighs> Yeah, I I thought it was delightful that you had realizations <laughs> off mic. I thought that was very cool. I thought your monologues were were masterclass. Um, just incredible. It was a good time. I yeah. I would. I mean, I don't know. Maybe we'll do noir again sometime. I think it is. It's just so tonally consistent and stable. You know, like you you know what you're doing when it's exactly more or less when it's noir. I definitely would not mind. This was a blast to play through. Yeah, it, it was also fun researching stuff, listening to old-timey noir, some of them being Sam Spade. Yeah. Um, I, I, so I, I watched most of the Maltese Falcon, <laughs> and I realized this isn't exactly the like corny noir I was looking for. You know, like I yeah. was looking for more of the kind of monologue vibe. And then I realized that, radio dramas were more what i was looking for because in radio dramas they have to monologue they're the one telling the story so so i noticed the spade the spade street and then the maltese avenue was any other any other little details like that you sprinkled in sam 
Sam Spade Sam is Sam Marlowe. Uh, also, we have a listener named Sam, so double whammy. Hey. Uh, <laughs> Marlowe, uh, there's another detective thing where they have the last name Marlowe. I don't remember the first name, uh, so fake fan. But <laughs> 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 anyway, so uh, besides that, I think that most of the, the name references were listeners. Yeah. Uh, a special shout out to Lolo Bunny, who yes. uh, inspired both the name of the Follies and the <gasps> character within them. Oh, my goodness. I love that. But yeah, thank you so much to everyone else who has listened to and reviewed or commented on the show. Um, if you heard your name in it, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you were as despicable or not <laughs> despicable as you wanted. It's it's rough out there. Uh <laughs> The dirty underbelly of Stitropolis. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, and Detropolis, it, it's very hard to end up with a good, uh, a good character named after you. Uh, <laughs> but it it is our tribute to you, wonderful people, that are the reason that we're yeah. making this. So thank you so much. Yes, thank you guys. It's it's been a blast to see you interacting with us, and yeah, so it's been a lot of fun. Well, uh, Nathan, any last last questions oh. uh, before we sign off? Last questions. I thought I would have more to say, but I feel like in the last episode, you you got a lot of the 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 missing pieces. So it feels like it was very very completed in most senses. I'm just excited to see where the Grassman shows up again, and uh, see him watching from the sidelines. I'm very intrigued to this plot line. Heck yeah! So. Uh, do you, remind me. Do you have a name for your next exhibit? I do. The next exhibit will be the betrayal exhibit. Yeah. I'm so excited. Okay. Well, I, I think that'll do it. Thank you, Detective Rip, <laughs> Rick Pulpwood, uh, for your uh, incredible deducting. Anytime. It's been a pleasure. Well, we'll see you next time. See you next time.